Well, good morning, everyone. Brian is correct. I do not get paid for this sermon, which is probably a good thing. But maybe I should put a tip jar up here or something. I don't know. All right. Well, again, my name is Jeff Pitzer. I'm glad to have everyone here this morning on this Memorial Day weekend. We are going to be looking at um, Matthew chapter 17. Matthew is the very first book in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John chapter 17, starting in verse 14. So if you want to look at that, if you have your own Bible, we'll get there in a little bit. But I want to share a story with you since it is Memorial Day. This, now, this is not a story about someone who gave their life during a war, but it is about one who kept that number a little lower by doing his best to save those from dying in war. I'm talking about a man named Desmond Doss. Now, some of you may be familiar with this story because his life was memorialized by Mel Gibson's movie, uh, Hacksaw Ridge. If you haven't seen it, I'd highly recommend it. It's not for the weak of stomach, so you might need to close your eyes during some of the uh, battle scenes, um, but it is worth watching. Desmond was born in 1919 in Lynchburg, Virginia, and he was a devout Seventh-day Adventist. He prayed every Sabbath day, and he was very convicted that he did not believe in taking another's life, even during wartime. So he ran into a little bit of a dilemma, because as he was a young man, <coughs> World War II broke out, and he felt the call that he needed to enlist to do his part to serve his country. But yet, he also believed that he should not carry a weapon. So you can imagine how well this went over after he enlisted and went to basic training, how the fellow soldiers treated him when he wouldn't pick up a gun how the commanding officers felt about it. In fact, one commander tried to get him court-martialed, but that didn't work. Tried to have him basically committed as mentally ill. Uh, then they assigned him to a rifle company. And you can imagine how that went over when he wouldn't even touch a rifle. But he wanted to be a medic to save people's lives. So finally, after all they did to try to, to basically force him out, they allowed him to become a medic. So he goes off into the Pacific, and after a little while, he is assigned to the battle at Hacksaw Ridge. Now, for those who don't know, it takes place on the <laughs> island of Okinawa, and it was the second bloodiest battle in all of World War II, and it was the bloodiest one in the Pacific. Now, Hacksaw Ridge was a sheer cliff face that was almost 400 feet high. Now, to give perspective on that, the State Farm big black Capitol building that we have, that's 181 feet. So imagine over twice the height of that, that these men, these soldiers, would have to climb up cargo nets, rope ladders, up that with all their gear to get up just to be able to fight the battle. So at the top 
was a labyrinth of booby traps, machine gun nests, all sorts of tunnels and caves <laughs> that the Japanese had really dug into. And so they were walking into a mess. And that's where it got the nickname Hacksaw Ridge. So Desmond goes into the bloodiest battle in the, in the Pacific without a weapon. And mind you, the Japanese prided themselves on shooting the medics first to demoralize the enemy. So here he goes into this mess. And the Japanese, after they, they, do, they take a little bit, the Japanese end up driving them back and driving them off the cliff. So they have to climb all the way back down again. Everyone except for Desmond. Desmond knew that there were wounded soldiers up there that would die if they didn't get attention. So he decides to stay up there because he knows there are wounded left behind. So in between artillery fire, snipers, machine gun fire, and patrolling enemy soldiers, Desmond starts rescuing the wounded. One by one, he grabs somebody, drags them back to the edge of the cliff, and he has to tie them up with rope and lower them down 400 feet, one at a time. And as he was doing this, he kept praying, Lord, help me get one more. Help me get one more. And then he goes out and does it again. He was up there for 12 hours. He saved an estimate, estimation, they're not sure, but it was a, they think it was over 75 men. That averages out to 10, 10, oh, I'm sorry, averages out to one person every 10 minutes that he was up there. He was the first conscientious, conscientious objector to win the Medal of Honor. It's an incredible story of courage. But I think it's a story more about faith than it is about courage. We're going to be talking about faith today. We're going to be reading a familiar passage that I think at least most of us have probably heard or, or heard the reference of before, even if you've actually never read the scripture. As I said before, it's, it's found in Matthew 17, and it's about the mustard seed. So what I'd like you to do, Kevin, I'm going to start with you. I have a bag of mustard seeds, and I'd love for you to reach in and take one and pass it back and forth. So, and if this side can pass it back and forth, and then you young lady, when you finally get it, if you can walk it over there and you guys pass it back forth over here, I'd really appreciate that. All right, so let's look at this passage in Matthew 17, starting in verse 14. So Jesus had walked down the mountain where he was, had been transfigured. And it picks up here. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Then Jesus says, this is his reply. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? 
How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed from that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, Because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible will be impossible for you. This, by the way, is God's word for God's people. I encourage you to hear it and believe it and live. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word. And I just pray that you teach us what it means to have faith like a mustard seed. So that we too can have the boldness and the courage and the power to literally move mountains. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Faith like a mustard seed. Now, I'm sure some of you have already started to get a seed, and it's probably difficult just to hold on to. It is so small. doesn't take much. It's obviously very small in size. But if your faith is just that big, you can move mountains, right? I mean, Jesus said it. He says, truly, I tell you. So it must be true. It's a nice inspirational story until you put it into practice. I don't know about you, but I've never been able to tell a mountain to move from one place to another. Anybody else? What about a molehill? I have enough trouble just trying to keep those out of my yard just by stomping on them. I've never been able to do that. How many of you have ever cast out a demon? If we can't do that, then how puny must our faith be, right? I mean, some of you are holding that mustard seed in your hand. If you can't do that, it must be even smaller than that mustard seed. And look at Jesus' response when he heard the disciples couldn't cast out the demon. He called them a perverse and unbelieving generation. How long should I put up with you? Not very encouraging or inspiring words. Now, is this Jesus' message to us today? That if only you could be this big, you'd be able to do things, but you're not even there. Well, we all lack faith at times. But I think there's more to this story than just the size of the mustard seed. There are really four things that, that stand out to me in this passage. The first one, obviously, is Jesus' frustration. He doesn't mince words. He's pretty frustrated with his followers. Then he says the reason why they couldn't do it, their problem, was little faith. And then he has the answer. He uses the mustard seed as an illustration. That's the third point. And the fourth point I notice is that he uses a mountain as the illustration of when you have that tiny faith, what you can do with it. Now, I think to understand this passage, you have to understand this is not the first time Jesus references the mustard seed. In fact, in four chapters earlier, in Matthew 13, he also talks about it. So I'm going to go ahead and turn there. You're welcome if you have your Bibles. Just go back 
four chapters to verse 31 in 13. And here he says, He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. So he's talked about the mustard seed before, but there's a big distinction between this passage and the one we read earlier. This passage, he's talking not about faith, but about the kingdom of God. He also does an obvious contrast between the mustard seed as a seed and the mustard plant when it's fully grown. So maybe we should take a moment to talk about the mustard plant. Now, the seed itself is not the smallest seed you'll find, but it is the smallest seed that would have intentionally been planted as an herb or a garden plant. It's only one to three millimeters thick, but it can easily grow to three to four feet high and wide. That's, that's kind of modest speaking here. However, in the right environments, it will easily grow over 10 feet high. And it germinates, the seed germinates almost immediately. In fact, in 78 AD, Pliny wrote this in his book, Natural History. The mustard is extremely beneficial for the health. It grows entirely wild, though it is improved by being transplanted. But on the other hand, when it has once been sown, it is scarcely possible to get the place free of it as the seed, when it falls, germinates at once. In other words, the mustard plant is a weed. In fact, if you go to Israel today, you can see mustard plant along the side of highways. I've got some pictures here just for you to see. That is just a field of mustard plant. You can tell it's obviously clearly a weed, a wild plant. You go to the next one, that is a gentleman who I'm not quite sure how tall he is, but let's say he's close to six feet. Clearly, most of those plants are probably a couple of feet taller than him, and he's got one that probably looks like it's close to 10 feet, like I had mentioned before. Here's another one, pretty huge, right? And the last one, there is a bird perching on a branch of a mustard plant. It is a weed, and it will take over. In fact, it was so bad that in first century Israel, it was actually against the law among the Jews to plant mustard in a garden because it would take over. And it was only allowed to be planted in a field if there was nothing else planted in the field, and it was segregated from one of the other fields by barriers. You obviously couldn't mix mustard with anything else. And if you were to try to plant it, it had to be completely controlled and separated. Otherwise, it was against the law. So now this parable takes on a whole different meaning. It's, it's as if Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like a man who breaks the law. That's a bit radical if you think about when he's... He is a rabbi. He is one who's come to teach the law, to fulfill the law. 
And yet he says, the kingdom of God is like a man who breaks the law. It's like a man, and it says, who takes a seed of mustard and plants it in his field. Now, no one plants one seed in a field. So clearly this field had other things in it, right? They were trying to grow other things. But he takes this one seed and plants it in the middle of this field. The other gospels that also talk about this parable reference a garden which was completely illegal to plant. So the kingdom of God is like one who rebels against the order of the day. It's pretty radical. But I wonder what Jesus would say to us. If he were to come into Faith Lutheran Church, would he say the same thing to us? What rules has the church created where God wants his kingdom to come in and disrupt the status quo? Well, that's probably another sermon, so I won't go deeper into that. But then he talks about the seed. After it's planted, it turns into the largest plant in the garden. Big enough for birds to perch or to use it as shade. Now, how many gardeners do we have in this room? Okay. Let me ask you a question for those that, that uh, <coughs> garden. What are, what's something you don't want in your garden? Rabbits. Rabbits. Right. <laughs> exactly. What else? Weeds. Weeds. Yeah. What else? So basically weeds and animals, right? You don't want animals coming in and eating your stuff, and you don't want weeds. Well, first, we've already broken one rule. We've planted a weed in the garden. The second thing is, is this weed is going to attract birds. What do birds like to eat? They like to eat seed. That's why farmers use scarecrows, right, to keep the birds away so they wouldn't eat the seeds in the field. Yet Jesus says the kingdom of God will attract the unwanted. Does that sound familiar? One of the things that messes with the church is when Jesus starts saving the wrong people. Think about it. It's okay to save people like us or people we like, but God, do you really have to save that annoying boss of mine that just, ugh? Or what about that person in your past that really hurt you? I'd really like him to suffer a little bit more. You don't need to forgive him just yet or her just yet. Not the people who voted for the other candidate. Don't bring those into our church. Again, probably a topic for another sermon. But there's a lot of, a lot of messages in that parable. So let's get back to Matthew 17. Jesus has already used the mustard seed analogy but his disciples don't get it. So I believe that is why he's frustrated. Because it's not just about how small the seed is. It's about how tenacious and persistent it is. Because it's like a weed. It's like those dandelions in my yard that I couldn't get rid of. Lots of plants start from small seeds. But how many of them are so persistent, so tenacious, so hard to kill, so infectious. If this is how God's kingdom is, aren't we supposed to live our lives that way? This passage isn't about a little bit of belief going a long way and moving mountains. 
It's about being persistent even in the little things, even in small beginnings. If we look back at verse 20 in Matthew 17, it says, Because you have so little faith, I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed. Now, how many of you have a Bible that's not NIV? Does anybody have a non-NIV Bible here? Okay. Does, do you have anything that says anything different than that? No? Well, if you look at the literal translations, small as, as small as is not in there. The literal translation says, if your faith is as a mustard seed or like a mustard seed. The small isn't in there. Jesus isn't referring to the size of the mustard seed. In fact, the Amplified, which takes, on, takes into account the Aramaic, the kind of common spoken language of the day, says it's more like saying, if your faith is living as a mustard seed or has living faith like a mustard seed. I think translators put the small in there because Jesus references its size in previous passages. And right before that, he talks about them having little or small faith. But the word isn't actually in there because God's kingdom is more about being tenacious, about being persistent, about continuing to grow and to spread. We are to be like the mustard seed. Doesn't matter how small we start, we can do big things. And in that seed is everything it needs to grow. All it needs to do is to be planted by the gardener. So if God takes you and plants you, you have what you need to grow there. But the problem is, in order for a seed to grow, it has to die. Jesus talked about this. The seed must die in order to bring new life. So we need to die to ourselves, to our desires, to our will, and then live for God. That is how we are to bloom where God plants us. God will provide the water, the sunshine, the nutrients. We just need to keep looking toward the sun, kind of like those dandelions. It reminds me of an encounter I had. See, I get off work a little bit early on Fridays, so Friday afternoons are a good time for me to schedule haircuts. So I will often get my haircut on a Friday afternoon, and so I'm in the barber shop, and this boy walks into the barber shop, and the barber whispers to me, he's like, man, this kid is the dumbest kid I know. He's like, watch this. So he reaches out into his pockets, and he pulls out a dollar bill in one hand and two quarters in the other. And he says, hey, boy. Which one would you prefer? And the boy grabs the two quarters and walks out the door. And the barber whispers to me again, he's like, he does this every time. He is, he is the slowest, dimmest kid I know. So I get my hair cut and I walk out the door and down the street on this bench is this little kid sitting, eating an ice cream cone. So I walk over to him and I'm like, why, so why do you pick the quarters instead of the dollar? 
And he looks at me and he says, well, as soon as I pick the dollar, the game's over. <laughs> so obviously that really didn't happen. But the point of it is, is that this boy keeps showing up every Friday. Every Friday he shows up and he's not concerned about what they think of him, whether they think he's dumb or not, what might his ego or his reputation look like to all those in there. He knows that he's going to get a lot more than a dollar from this guy if he could just keep showing up. Woody Allen said 80% of success is showing up. And that kind of brings me back to Desmond Doss. Lord, help me get one more. He just kept going. When he was being ridiculed by his fellow soldiers, when he was being pressured and persecuted by commanding officers, when he was being doubted by those he was going into battle with, if he would even be able to, uh, to, to take the pressure and if he was going to be more of a liability than an asset to them. When he was being targeted and shot at by the enemy, he kept at it. He didn't quit. Now, do you think his faith was such that he believed that he just wouldn't die? That he couldn't be injured? I don't think so. In fact, later on he was injured, and it's another amazing heroic story that's not told in the movie. I encourage you to read about it. But I believe his faith was in continuing on in spite of his circumstances. So I ask you, what is your one more, Lord? What do you need the Lord to help you with to keep at it? Maybe it's just coming to church more regularly. Maybe it's reading scripture more regularly. Lord, give me one more chapter. Does that sound familiar? So I, uh, I think one of the, the things that I think my wife and I probably got right, as long as child services don't come and take us away, is we made a deal with our daughter when she kept asking for a cell phone. We said, how about this? If you read the entire Bible, we will buy you a cell phone. That was the end of fifth grade. Two years later, she is now 13, and she's probably just a few weeks away from that happening. And I'm sure she's said more than once, Lord, just one more chapter, <coughs> one more chapter. Maybe it's helping you to give more or to tithe more. Maybe it's one more conversation during the week with a person that needs you to be Jesus to them. You know, I think about our church and our mission and vision about being disciples that grow other disciples and being a church that plants other churches. And I have to say that when I hear that, I sure feel like we are a tiny little mustard seed in that process. I mean, we barely have a staff. We don't have a traditional church building. 
and oftentimes we've had to kind of bounce around and move around for that, and yet we're expected to plant other churches. But if we keep showing up, if we keep praying, if we keep worshiping, if we keep giving, I believe the kingdom of God will spread because that's what the kingdom of God does. But we need to be like that mustard seed. So the fourth point in this, in the, in this picture is mountains. He says you can move this mountain, tell this mountain to move from here to there, and it will do it. Well, was Jesus talking about physical mountains? Is he, he wanting to change the geography, the landscape? Well, not physically, no. What you've got to understand is Jews referred to authorities and kingdoms as mountains. When you read in the Old Testament and it says, prophesy to the mountains and say, blah, blah, blah. He's not talking about physical mountains. When the writer asked the question, do we look to the mountains for our strength? No, we look to the Lord. He's talking about authorities and kingdoms. It's not uncommon if two rabbis and their followers were debating in the temple or, or wherever they were debating about doctrine. One might say, my mountain is going to crush your mountain today because they believe their authority is greater than the others. So what did Jesus just do before, this, before he started talking about the mustard seed? He cast out a demon from a boy. He had the authority and the power to tell the demonic power, the demonic authority, to leave. He moved a spiritual mountain out of that boy. Now, how did he say it happened? He said at the end, this only, let me read it. <coughs> Actually, okay, it's not in this Bible. It's in other translations. Well... Um, at the end, it's, in some Bibles, it will say this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. Now, did Jesus stop and pray and fast in this story before he cast out the demon? No. He just did it. Why? Well, an easy answer is, well, because he's Jesus. He's God. He can do anything. But I believe because he was man at the time, as well as God, it was because he had already fasted and prayed. He came prepared. His faith was big enough because he was diligent to fast and pray earlier on in his life. We all know the story of him fasting for 40 days in the wilderness. But when you read the Gospels, you'll see he continually leaves the disciples to go off and pray. Faith doesn't just come from believing enough or believing harder. It comes up from showing up day after day, even when you don't believe enough. Lord, I'm having a hard time believing in you right now, but I'm going to sit here and listen for your voice. I'm going to pray. I'm going to open up scripture right now, even though I don't want to. I'm going to go talk to that person, even though I really don't feel like it. It's showing up day after day. And eventually, when that mountain shows up, you will be able to tell it to move. Desmond Doss shows incredible faith and bravery. He saved enough men to make up three small platoons 
or one small company of soldiers. In one 12-hour period, it's an, it's an incredible story. But the battle wasn't over. He, they still needed to take that ridge. So the Allies go back on the morning of Saturday, May 5th, 1945. Now, Saturday is the Seventh-day Adventists' Sabbath. So that is a day that Desmond prefers not to fight, and he tries to dedicate that day to prayer. But he was the only medic left in his company, and the soldiers did not want to go to battle without him. So what happened? The Allies, the entire assault was delayed until Desmond finishes his prayer time and his devotions. Because of his faith, the authority had shifted. The commanders no longer said when the assault was going to take place. He did. Because of his faith. Because he kept showing up. Kept pushing through. Kept saying, one more, Lord. One more. Mustard seed faith is not about wishing or believing a little harder, but it's about stepping out in faith every day. No matter how insignificant it may seem at the time, we need to keep doing that because God's kingdom is going to take over. So I ask the question again, what's your one more, Lord? Let us pray. Lord God, Thank you for your message, your word, the parable, Lord. And I pray that as we hold this mustard seed, Lord, we realize that so much of faith and life may seem small and insignificant at the time. But Lord, the power that is in that seed is incredible. Lord, and so help each one of us do our part as a tiny seed to help grow your kingdom so that it disrupts, that it changes the status quo, that it brings in the unwanted and gives them shelter. Lord, we thank you for being our God. Help us to be your people of faith. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer.